Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Once you start scouting, it's like a disease. It gets in your body. You're infected with it. You're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with your hosts, Russell Landy and Rick Saratello. Welcome back, 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 back to another edition of the Infectious Scouting Podcast. I am your host, RIC, and the place to be, Rick Saratella. Tell it like it is. When it comes to the NFL draft since 2002, it's what we do. And in the moment here, we're going to welcome in the star of the show, Russell Landy, who brings two decades of pro scouting experience at the NFL, CFL, XFL levels. He's been around the world and back again, so he's going to peel back the curtains. Uh, let us inside that scouting mind of his. Give us some scouting tips along the way as we dissect, preview, review the world of college football action, the top prospects from around the country, around the globe, each and every week here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. Make sure you check out RussLandy.com. Follow him on Twitter at RussLandy as well. And with that being said, let's welcome him in. In Russ, we trust. Another week of college football action in the books, my man. How are we doing this week? I'm doing great, man, and I love it. You, you take a few minutes on your private chat to reach out to us little people and uh, talk to us. I tell you what, <laughs> this guy's traveling all over the world doing all this stuff, and he takes a few minutes for us little people. I tell you, we should be grateful. Hey, we're broadcasting live from the uh, draft Bible plane up in the sky. Hovering over the Jersey Shore here, and uh, you know, Russ, it's been a lot of fun watching uh, real football again. Never mind all this training camp and preseason and exhibition. This is the real deal. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to start right off with that prime time matchup, that LSU Texas showdown, because I was watching that replay last night, and I just threw on the second half. So everybody's talking about Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. And we've talked about the, you know, trickle effect of these quarterback transfers. Burrow, of course, coming over from uh, Ohio State. And this new run-and-gun, high-octane LSU offense, it just seems so weird to me that they're not the same ground-and-pound attack. But this Joe Burrow looks like a new man. You know, he really does. And you got to give credit to just what they've done, what they looked at. And they said, hey, our offense has been sort of stagnant really since uh, – they lost, uh, what was it, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, um, with Zach Mettenberger throwing the ball. And they were high-flying in terms of quick pace, but at least they could throw the ball down the field. Their offense has been stagnant. I think they said we need to change things up. They've done a great job of that. Not only does Burrow look like a different guy. I mean, you watch him. He's more confident when he throws. He's not hesitant. That's one of the things that I think you, when you saw him prior to this year, you would see, you would see the guy open but he'd be hesitant to pull the trigger. Now, not only is he not hesitant, but he's so confident that I think at times he's anticipating it, 
coming open, even if it doesn't look like the guy's open, and he's making throws. I mean, you've got to be excited. Now, I'm not saying you're going to all of a sudden say, ooh, we've got to be excited. This guy's a top 10 pick. But you've got to be excited as a scout if you're covering LSU saying, you know what, I came into the season thinking this guy was a borderline prospect. This guy's a legitimate guy you have to really look at and figure out where he's going to get drafted. Because just from what I've seen, this is a guy that's going to go in the first three or four rounds. So you have to really take a close look at this kid. He's impressed me in both games so far this year. Just a different quarterback. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, big, you know, big deuce, deuce, 22 points in the fourth quarter to get that W over Texas. And uh, he's spraying the ball all over the field. I think three different. 100-yard receivers, that Jefferson kid is a nice-looking wide out. And, uh, boy, oh, boy, I'll tell you, if Danny Etling was a seventh-round pick, well, I can tell you what, Joe Burrow, a much better prospect. And, uh, yeah, you're right, you know, he might even creep into that day-two range if he keeps playing like this. Who knows? Sky's the limit uh, in terms of how high he can go. And, uh, you know, looking across the college football landscape, uh, Russ, you know, not – not too many updates. Uh, Army almost knocking off Michigan, but in terms of the uh, top 25 rankings, go. I, I don't think there was too many upsets. But let's talk about some of the prospects that impressed and who's rising and surprising on your radar. Well, firstly, no, the one thing that I have to mention, although he didn't make any plays that made or really or not many plays that made me jump out and say, oh, my gosh, Grant Delpit is the, the elite rare special safety that everybody's hyping up. When you see him play, even when he doesn't make those game-changing impact plays, you can see the athletic ability and you can see the potential as a playmaker both against the run and in coverage that has teams so excited. So when they were playing Texas, there are a few things you look at and say, yeah, maybe you'd like to see a little better here, a little better there. But overall, I still came away thinking, wow, it's hard to find athletes at the safety position who are willing to tackle Beef, part of run support, and can cover. So that's one thing that definitely jumped out at me um, when I was watching that game in addition to Burrow. And the other thing i got to mention, even though I'm not saying this kid's moved up, of the game that I saw, the, when you watch Jalen Hurts play quarterback now at Oklahoma, um, I'm not saying, hey, Jalen Hurts is playing so well that we're going to start talking about him with Mayfield and Murray as a first-round pick. But for a guy that literally Alabama benched so that Tua could play and then end up transferring just so he can get on the field, he's definitely been a lot better than I think anybody anticipated. I still don't think he's a natural anticipatory thrower, and I think a lot of what he's doing out there is based on his hard work, his mental acuity in terms of knowing what's going on, in terms of reading the defense, and just being a top athlete with a strong arm. I don't think he's a great passer, but he's moved himself from really, he was a non-consideration, I think, on most teams' boards and most sort of draft rankings that you saw prior to the year. He's definitely put himself on the radar to at least get a look as a free agent, if not a late-round pick. I've been really pleasantly surprised, and it's great to see because you're not going to get a better kid than this kid in terms of being the ultimate teammate. So he's going to get a chance in the NFL, not only because of his character, but I think his improved play this year has definitely got my attention. Yeah, you know, he's making the right decisions, only four incompletions this past week, so he knows where to go with the football. And, you know, I probably agree with you along the same lines of thinking, you know, he'll probably get an opportunity to compete in a camp. And, you know, it's interesting because, 
you know, kickers and quarterbacks, it seems like at the next level now, it's just a, a, a shortage of them. And I'm looking around these practice squads, and almost every single team has some kind of developmental quarterback on the practice squad, a quarterback just kind of hanging around just in case. And we saw it this past week. Hey, uh, Nick Foles, boom, down with down with the, the injury, and a Garden Minshew steps in, a rookie quarterback. Uh, they got a deal of pick now for Joshua Dobbs. And um, just, you know, you would think that there's um, – a quarterback on the practice squad where you don't have to give up a draft pick, but it's becoming so difficult to find these quarterbacks. I'm curious to see where you are in terms of, you know, we've got Tua, we've got Herbert with the big five touchdown performance. We talked about Burrow. After two weeks, and I know it's early, how do you kind of have the pecking order in terms of top draft eligible quarterback prospects right now? You know, I'd, I'd still probably have two at the top. Um, I think a bear, or however you want to pronounce it, um, he's, he's physically, there's some things he does that, that are impressive, and that's probably why I'd put him at two, even though I think when I watch him, there's still some fundamental things in terms of footwork and stuff like that that I'd like to see him do better. I like Tom still. I think he's really good. I think the guy who has impressed me the most of sort of that non-top three because I really have liked what I've seen from Nate Stanley at Iowa. Um, I haven't seen as many swings of inconsistency. Last year when you would watch him, and I think we talked about this on one of the earlier podcasts, there were games where you watch him and you say, all right, this guy's a first-round pick. And there were other games you watch him and say, God, why would you ever want to even sign this guy as an undrafted free agent? Because he was so wildly inconsistent. This year, I'm not saying he's been a superstar, but you don't see that up and down that you did last year, which leads me to think that, you know what, this is a kid who he keeps playing like this for a kid with his size, his strong arm, I think a little bit underrated athleticism. I could see him putting himself in position to be a day two guy. Um, he's a guy that I really has grabbed my attention when I've gotten to watch Iowa. Like I said, not been great, but not as inconsistent as in prior years. Yeah, Stanley in the uh... – Hawkeyes, you know, put a beat down on my Jersey boys. I run this week, 30 zips, shutting them out. But, uh, you know, he'll have a big test this week. I'm curious to see how he does against that Iowa State defense. And uh, the head coach there, Matt Campbell, with a, a, a top-notch program, kind of turning around that Iowa State Cyclones program. So uh, we'll talk more about matchups later in the show. Uh, we'll get uh, some underclassmen who impressed. But first, let me just remind everybody, you're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with Russell Landy and Rick Saratella here each and every week, breaking it down, giving you the 411, letting you know the players that should be on your radar, or, hey, at least the players who are on our radar, uh, which goes a long, long way within the scouting community. And, you know, as we always mention, you know, we've got a database of, uh, you know, thousands of players. We try to narrow it down to the top 500 and, Part of uh, the evaluation process, you can't watch every player. Part of it is knowing who to listen to. And, you know, I listen to Russ because he's been there, done that, two decades of experience. So, hey, uh, I, get a, I get inquiries all the time like, hey, Rick, do you, do you need any help? Or how do I break into the business? I just really have a passion for scouting. And if you do, I suggest you check out Sports Management Worldwide because Russ teaches the GM uh, scouting course there and – it's a great introduction into the scouting universe. 
it uh, gets you caught up to speed with, you know, whether or not this is for you. And it's a very time-consuming job, and uh, there's a lot of things behind the scenes, isn't there, Russ, that, you know, that most people don't know about. Oh, there's no question. I mean, I, I think the, in general, I mean, most people that I've bumped into over the nice of you to say 20 years, a um, little longer than I want to hear, um, you know, in this business, the thing that everybody asks me is, oh, so you, you, do you go to a lot of games? And it's like, yeah, I mean, yes, as a scout, you go to games, but they don't realize that the majority of the scouting, when I say the majority, I'll say during the fall, from August to Thanksgiving, 90% of the scouting, maybe even 95, is not attending live games. And most people have no concept that scouts are at schools Monday through Friday. You're, you're watching five or six games of film of games. You're talking to every person who pretty much has a pulse in the building to try to find out about the kid's character and tangibles, mental makeup. You're, you're watching practice. You're talking to the trainers. You're doing everything humanly possible during the week so that the weekends are actually sort of, you can go to a game and you can really, even if you go to an LSU Texas, like I know there were probably 50 scouts at that game this weekend, I will tell you that most scouts were maybe looking at two guys because they finished all their work and all the body types and all the guys during their visits to the schools. They're just going there saying, you know, there's two guys, maybe a third. They just want to see, get a better feel for him. Not 100% sure how he does in certain areas, and they're going to peek at that. But it's not the games, and I think a lot of people don't know that. I know when I teach this class, people have no grasp that they do that. They don't understand that there's a difference between a college scout and a pro scout and what they do. And what we try to do in the class is just give people the basics. Hey, this is how an organization is structured. Here are the basic steps to, to scouting position by position. And here are some tidbits and, and sort of ways to at least help you get a foot in the door. And it's not going to be right into the NFL. You're going you're gonna to hopefully get an internship in Arena League or Indoor Professional League or maybe a high school or a college or a CFL. And maybe five or six years down the road, you'll have made enough contacts and worked as hard to work as hard as someone like Rick to where you become big time, and then you can jump up to the NFL if you want. So, I mean, that's really what the class is about. Because you know, Rick, you've talked to a million people. You've been around this business almost as long as I have. And a lot of people have no grasp as to the, how the actual scouting industry works. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, that's why, you know, when I do look for somebody, as you know, I hit up Russ, hey, any good graduates out there from your sports management worldwide class? Anybody in my neck of the woods that I can work with? And I know you've uh, brought on board a couple graduates from the course. So, hey, that's what it's all about. And I think both of us love to help the next wave of future scouts. And um, you're 100% correct. You know, they, they, they don't know that, hey, uh, I'll be up in Boston College for an 8 o'clock game on Friday night. And then, you know, we might not get out of there till midnight, 1 o'clock, then we're setting the alarm for 5 a.m., driving down to Delaware to go watch North Dakota State. Then we get back home on Sunday while everybody's enjoying the NFL. We're going through the media guides on the online website bios, trying to find every bit of information, medical history, and, and uh, just researching the player as much as possible because at the end of the day, it's about limiting your mistakes. I mean, we can all identify the top players. We can all tell you, hey, I'm going to go to Virginia and, and, and watch Bryce Perkins and Bryce Hall. But, hey, then there's that's a talented Cavaliers team, by the way. There's a all, whole slew of young and up-and-coming players uh, that I learned about. And that's, 
that's really the most rewarding uh, is when you go and looking at uh, scouting for you know specific players and then other players pop up on your radar. I mean, that's one of the best feelings. And uh, speaking of which, Russ, any other uh, underclassmen to keep an eye out that popped up on your radar this week? Well, you know, the, the underclassmen did not – there wasn't – I was really looking more towards seniors. Um, the kid that caught my attention, the McFarland kid, Maryland, because I happened to be um, yeah. visiting with some friends when we were watching that, that Maryland beatdown of Syracuse, which I was stunned to see. Um, and that kid was impressive. I mean – I, in truth, had not done a lot of work on him prior to that game because I haven't looked at Maryland yet. They're about five schools away from me grading them. But he jumped off the film. I mean, he made game-changing plays. And when you watch that team, it really there's a lot more camaraderie there you see on the team than I had in seasons past. And he was a guy that made a big impact. Um, he, he grabbed my attention very quick. There's, there was not an underclassman this week that jumped out at me, unless, of course, we want to talk about, once again, Wisconsin's Sean Taylor. I mean, the kid's just a machine. Every week they just mm-hmm. give him the ball, and he proves he's an elite guy, and he did it again this week. But I didn't really notice any other underclassmen this week because I was so focused on really sort of the two or three games that I saw, that LSU-Texas and that Maryland-Syracuse uh, game, and I was looking really at the senior guys. Yeah, that McFarland, I know he had a, a pair of touchdowns on the ground, a receiving touchdown. He can do it all. And this Maryland offense, speaking of high octane, I mean, boy, oh, boy, Mike Loxley has done an incredible job. Uh, he's brought in some big-time transfers there, the quarterback, Josh Jackson. And really – Yeah, I that's mean, a, that was a huge one. I, I would say that this this is probably the biggest turnaround in terms of football programs – at the SBS level, I mean, this is probably the biggest turnaround I've seen because, I mean, this was a program just mired in, in, in all kinds of controversy and, and uh, you know, the head coach there getting into trouble and the player dying last year. All of a sudden, now they're two games into the season, they're in the top 25. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, there literally were people before the season saying, was everything that happened in the last year or two with Maryland, was that going to lead to them just rolling down that hill to where – they're going to be a one-two win team for the next four or five years, and really going to have to battle so many things to get kids to come there, um, recruiting-wise. But completely different. I mean, it is incredible what they've done there. Um, like I said, they're playing not only with more team camaraderie, but you can see the confidence watching these guys, even though this is not a team that's won recently in, ter- in terms of prior seasons. It's incredible the confidence they're playing with, the aggressiveness they're displaying on the on the field. All in all, I'm very, very impressed. Yeah, and I got news for you. This Syracuse football team is a, a very good team, and they blew them out of the water. I mean, exactly. They was one of the best coaches. 63. Yeah, indeed. 63 to 20. Yeah, it's, it's and, uh, not like yeah. the Patriots. They're not like the uh, Dolphins getting beat. And they're not a very, and the Dolphins look like a horrible team. The Syracuse got beat by a similar score, but they're not a bad team at all. They have a lot of talent. I think they're going in the right direction. So that's why this was even more of a stunner for Maryland. Yeah, very surprising. And one last note on that Maryland team: there's going to be some scouts making the trek to uh, the campus there to check out the cornerback as well, Tino Ellis. Good-looking corner, good size, speed, uh, man-to-man coverage. I've seen him, uh, you know. 
knock a couple balls away, and, and he's a lengthy guy, about six foot, six foot and a half, um, which is kind of par for the course now. It's 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 funny. It's like every every top corner cornerback is now six feet tall, runs in the four fours, and um, it's just kind of standard now. If if, if you're not six feet and, and you don't run four four, it's like you're gonna have a hard time cracking that top one hundred uh, overall. So. Um, you know, we're rearranging the big board as it as it goes, and you know, you can get a look at our uh, 2020 prospectus over at the NFLDraftBible.com. Make sure you check that out over there in the shopping cart. And uh, we've got a friends and family discount for all of you podcast listeners at home. Use our promo code VIP Familia. That's VIP familia and you will uh receive 20 percent off if you don't know how to spell it it's v-i-p-f-a-m-i-l-i-a and i i wasn't that good at math russ but i can spell a little bit now so um uh, <laughs> check that out i know you got a sneak peek uh, uh of the prospectus and uh you know we're going to be cranking away just kind of um you know improving our rankings as we get more eyeballs on players especially up close um, we'll be on the scouting trails again this weekend, so check us out over there. Also at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, um, you know, we're making a list, counting it twice, checking it twice, and uh, we've got to put together 112 prospects there for the January 18th All-Star Classic in Pasadena, California at the historic Rose Bowl. Uh, hopefully we'll have our good friend Russ out there to check out uh, the, the all the talented players that we anticipate having so with that being said uh this is the infectious do here each and every week so if you like it please subscribe to it and share it and tell your friends about it we're, we're on itunes we're on blog talk radio and uh we really enjoy doing this here each and every week and hopefully you learn something i'm curious to learn week three college football action russ who are you going to be checking out you know, you already mentioned one of the games, Iowa, Iowa State, to me. That's the biggest one I want to check out, really, because when you look at, I mean, I've seen Chase Young. I saw him last year. I saw him early this year. He looks every bit the guy that, to me, is going to be a franchise-type top-five player. But coming into the year, everybody was talking about A.J. Penenza, the junior defensive end at Iowa. People were saying this guy was a top-five guy. He was going to be ahead of Chase Young. Um, off his junior film, I didn't see that. I didn't see a guy that warranted consideration as a top-five pick. I saw a guy who flashed as a power rusher, did some great things technically in terms of use of hands and stuff, but I didn't see a guy that was in the in the same discussion as Chase Young. Well, here's a great test for him. Going against Iowa State, not only a very good team, but a, uh, an offense that's versatile. They're going to run it. They are going to spread things out and throw the ball at different times. So he's going to have to play in a variety of different alignments. I want to see how he does this week. To me, it's a big test. Also a big test, we mentioned earlier, Nate Stanley going against one of the better teams he's gone against, obviously this year, but also even last year with all this inconsistency. Now let's see how he does against the top team when he's playing better. Those two guys, to me, in that game, that's a huge game that I can't wait to check out. Yeah, that is the game of the week, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I'm, it's a four o'clock game, so I probably will have to catch the replay on that. But yeah, I'm excited to see how Stanley does. Epineza, as you said, uh, still trying to figure out where he fits. Uh, you know, the other game I'm going to keep an eye on here, and 
you know, maybe not so much for the scouting purposes, but I'm so intrigued because, you know, this UCLA quarterback, uh, Dorian Thompson, that I had a opportunity to coach out during my time in Las Vegas, I think he's full of talent and potential. But, man, UCLA now 0-2, Russ. They've got Oklahoma coming to town. You, you, you mentioned Jalen Hurts before and uh, the the rocking and rolling rhythm he's got with C.D. Lamb. Um, that duo has been dynamic. But, you know, uh, Oklahoma almost a four-touchdown favorite. All of a sudden, I could see this game getting really ugly and, and maybe Chip Kelly's job in jeopardy again. And, you know, I can't really pinpoint what happened because, you know, here's a guy that was just being credited with, with just being an offensive genius at Oregon. And then, you know, he he goes to the Eagles and flops there, and, and, and then the 49ers was a debacle. And now UCLA, it's like the third team where he, you know, he hasn't just disappointed. I mean, he's failed, in my opinion. And I can't pinpoint it. I don't know if you have a take on it, but it's just so weird to see a guy who was at the pinnacle of the profession who's now just, Again, fighting for his job here, you know, three teams in almost as many years. You know, it's crazy. Um, I know when he even came to the NFL, when he first got the job at the Eagles, I remember talking to scouts who had gone through Oregon, and they said, if there's a college coach ready for the NFL, this is the guy. They said, he, he's not like a lot of other ones that this guy focuses on, like he had a scouting department at Oregon. They graded all the other teams, not just grading them in terms of the coaching side to play them, but they had reports on all the players. They had a real pro scouting department. They had a scouting department evaluating all the high school guys, not just taking the lists. So they were all in depth in that. And it seems like for whatever reason, since things went south at Philly, then at San Francisco, now he's at UCLA. And I don't know if he's having trouble getting players to come there that they're looking at or if maybe he hasn't been able to get the money to put together that scouting department type style thing he had when he was at Oregon. But it's incredible when you watch them. I mean, you can tell they're trying to run the same offense, but you're not seeing the same results. You're not seeing the same explosive players all over the field. It's really frustrating. Um, I do think this could get real ugly. I mean, I could see this being a game like that Maryland-Syracuse uh, game where Oklahoma runs away with it, wins by 40. And then I think there is going to be a serious look at, okay, how long are we going to keep paying Chip the amount of money that we are and keep him here at UCLA, which is notorious for not paying their football coaches? How long are they going to keep paying this type of money to a losing coach. It's a very strange thing. It's really a shame for a guy that I thought was going to revolutionize a lot of things offensively, and it's just gone south since that first year in Philly where he did a great job. Nothing seems to have gone right since then. Yeah, it just it seems almost like a mystery to me. I mean, you know, how, how you could just be so high up on the radar and, and, and receive all these accolades and then just – I mean, the man can't even buy a win despite all those big money contracts he's got. Uh, I have a feeling that we're going to be watching Chip in that ESPN studio uh, sooner rather than later, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, we're hopping and bopping around while we're on the West Coast side of the country. You know, a guy that you brought up in one of our previous podcasts, which, by the way, you can still go back and listen to our previews and we talk about a lot of prospects that are on the NFL radar, that Walker Little 
who we mentioned as a potential first-round pick, now out for the season. Uh, another unfortunate uh, headline from the college football this past week. But, um, you know, it's an interesting scenario for him, Russ, because I think that, you know, he was having some first-round consideration. Now out for the season, of course, the new rule in college football, if you don't play uh, more than four games, I think you can uh, be eligible for another year. But uh, he's going to have to make a decision now, weigh that Stanford education or chase the big bucks of the NFL. If you were advising a Walker Little based on your evaluation and what you know, what do you think he should do come January when that underclassman deadline approaches? Well, two things. I think first and foremost, he needs to make sure that once his knee is done and he's three or four months into the rehab and you get to late December, he needs to go to the, uh, uh, James Andrews or one of these elite guys and really have them look at his knee and provide him and his representation if he hires an agent or even an advisor. Hey, what is the long-term prognosis for this knee? What type of report would you be presenting to NFL teams um, because if he says, hey, you know, I notice there's going to be some arthritis or the stability is always going to be an issue, then you know what? You stay in school another year. You try to rehab to get back to 100% and prove that you're going to be healthy. If he says, hey, it's a clean bill of health, your knee looks phenomenal, I don't think there's going to be any long-term effects, then you say, you know what? I feel comfortable jumping in the NFL now because I'm going to get drafted about where my film dictates I should. Um the other thing I think he also has to look at is, and this is something I think too few underclassmen do, is they need to find reputable people that are not in the NFL, that are not with college programs, but that have scouted to evaluate his film. And the reason I say not with the NFL is the NFL is so busy with so many things that the underclassmen evaluation that they get from these review boards, while some of them are good, a lot of them are done by inexperienced scouts or guys not really watching more than a game just because they have so many players on their plate to look at that they'll zip through a game, give a general grade. For a guy like him, to me, with the contacts of Stanford, they could find a former guy that's worked in the NFL that may be towards retirement that's living out there, grade him thoroughly can give him a fair evaluation of is he going to be a first or a second round pick? Because if he is and his knee is going to check out medically, then you got to come out, get started, get healthy, and you can get into the NFL. Again, another shame, because you mentioned him, how about Marcus Bailey? Inside linebacker at Purdue, yeah. really their best prospect mm-hmm. this year at Purdue. ACL tear out for the year, and the shame of it is for him, it's his second ACL. He had one back in 2015. So, when you get, when you don't have an ACL, the chances of getting an ACL, or when you've never had an ACL injury, your chances of getting one are about three percent. Once you've had one, your chance of getting a second one go over twenty-five percent. Once you've had two, your percentage is over fifty percent of getting a third. So it's just wow. you feel bad for this kid. He was playing really good football. Um, he really, I think, had established himself as Purdue's best prospect for the NFL this year of the seniors. And to see him go down with an injury, really a shame. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize that was his second ACL, which really, you know, talk about dampening your your draft stock. That's definitely going to raise some some eyebrows across uh, front offices around the league and. You know, you brought up a good point because the underclassman evaluation process, I mean, you know, GMs and, and even 
scouting departments for the most part, they're really not doing those grades until later in the season. And, you know, we're talking to Russ Landy here, Rick Saratella. Russ, of course, two decades of scouting experience in, in the NFL, too. Take us behind the scenes a little bit, Russ, in terms of how that front office operation, and, and I know every team is different, but just in general, like how is the front office operating in terms of their scouting department from the GM down to the regional scouts? How How is that working right now during the season? NFL kicks off early part of the year. What are these guys doing? Well, I mean, every team has based their, their sort of schedules um, for the fall are based on the Blesso and National List, which those are two independent companies um, that have scouts provided to them by NFL teams that go around in the spring, that January to May time, and they grade next year's prospects. Um, so that way each team has a rough list of, hey, here's where every player in the country is, quote-unquote. Um, so you set your schedule by that in terms of the college scouts going on the road. But one of the main reasons, and then it's a lot of people have always asked me, why is it such a big deal that the scouts turn their reports in each week? They upload them each week to make sure they're in the system. And a big part of that reason is, the director of college scouting or player personnel, depending on how it's done with each organization, they get the reports in. And if there's a player that all of a sudden entering the season was considered a free agent, and all of a sudden we have a scout giving him a third or fourth round grade, hey, not only are we going to make sure he's on the list of players to cross-check when the cross-check scout goes in, but that's a, that's a school or a player we're going to want to make sure our director or our assistant director, when he's on the road in the fall, because the director and assistant director, they just go see the better players. They don't go see when they're at Iowa. They don't grade every player. They may grade the, the, the one or two guys or three guys that have top 100 grades or top 120 grades. Well, if you're throwing a guy in the mix at a school that wasn't on the list to go to, you've got to get that soon so that that director can adjust his schedule. So one of the big things going on now is you're reporting back each week. You're sending your reports in, and usually teams will do a quick conference call every week or every other week to say, hey, are there any players we need to be aware of that have popped? Are there any guys that weren't even on the list that small schools or big schools that may have been hurt or transferred that we need to know about? So this time of year, nobody's knee-deep in putting their final board together, obviously. But what you're trying to do is be organized and structured so your cross-checkers know who to look at when they go in because generally the area scouts will cover their area till the end of September, and then they will go cross-check another area. So you want to make sure you've got grades on all your big schools and all the big prospects at small schools by the end of September so the cross-checkers know who to look at when they go in October and the directors know who to look at as they start hitting the road too. So it's, a, it's somewhat of a busy time for NFL teams in terms of that because they're doing all that and they're constantly being bugged with questions from their pro department saying, hey, we've, we've got some injuries. We need to run them back to the practice squad. There's nobody left on the street that we can find that's healthy or willing to come here and be on the PR do you guys have any guys that maybe got overlooked last year or that are marginal prospects? And so college scouts are being pulled in every direction this time of year, and it's just a hectic time for the college scouting departments in the NFL. Some great insight right there from Russ Landy. We do this each and every week on the Infectious Scouting Podcast. And, you know, if you're not able to be – on those conference calls each week with those 32 NFL teams, you could be on our conference call as we break it down for the people, giving you the top matchups to, to watch for the upcoming week, reviewing the past week's players who popped on our radar, 
uh, bringing you the names you need to know each and every week here, Rust. And uh, looking forward to chatting it up next week with you again. Any parting shot for the people here before we go? You know, uh, the one parting shot I'll say is we mentioned Iowa, Iowa State. Don't forget Arizona State, Michigan State. Big game. Um, the quarterback of Michigan State, Lewerke, Um, We've talked about him before. He's not a premier prospect, but he's an intriguing guy. Um, senior yeah. at Michigan State, he's a leader, a tough guy. Well, yeah, he's going against a much improved Arizona State team. So he needs to step up and show that he can be the guy. This is a big game for Michigan State, not only for national looks in terms of if they're going to really make a run and be one of the top teams in the conference, but also for some of the prospects like Lewerke, here's a chance to show yourself against a top team from outside your conference. So I'm excited to take a peek at that game also. Yeah, good call. This ain't going to be that Western Michigan defense that he had, uh, you know, three touchdown passes against last week. So, uh, yeah, good call there. Um, I like Lewerke as a prospect. I know there was some – Shoulder, you know, shoulder issues last year. So again, uh, medical is going to be a big part for him. And uh, you know, this is going to be a big part of your weekly schedule. Hopefully, if you're a draftnik, if you're a college football fan, if you want more information on the evaluation process. And again, if you want to get involved and be a scout or get introduced to the business and and network with Russ and myself, go check out that course at uh, sportsmanagementworldwide.com, the football GM and scouting. Uh, Russ breaks it down in depth, the best in the business. Again, Infectious Scouting Podcast, please like it, share it, subscribe it. Check out Russ's uh, website, russlandy.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at russlandy. Of course, at NFL Draft Bible. And if you haven't got that prospectus, go and download it, nfldraftbible.com. Use our promo code VIPFAMILIA. And uh, we'll be back at it again right here next week, breaking it all down again for you each and every week leading up to that 2020 NFL draft in Las Vegas. Once it gets into your stream, there's no vaccine. You've got the sickness, too. Thanks for listening to the Infectious Scouting Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.